Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The electoral college system can seem like the most baffling quirk of U.S. elections. Pennsylvanians went and did what they always did. They trotted along to the polls. And then on election night... They were astounded to find that Trump had won the state. This year, yet again, the next president of the United States is likely to be chosen by a small clutch of voters in a few key battleground states. If you're Donald Trump, he has to win Florida. There's, there's basically no path to the presidency for him without it. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Bellwethers and heartbreakers. Pennsylvania and Florida gear up for election day. My mother is from Cleveland, Ohio, and she made sure she registered me when I was born in Streatham, South London, at the American Embassy. That's Sarah Baxter. She writes the American Diary for the Sunday Times, and you might know her as the former deputy editor of the paper. Uh, <laughs> so I'm also a South Londoner by birth. What you might not know about her is that she's also a US citizen. I've always been a citizen of America, but I didn't vote until I came to New York as New York correspondent in 2001. And within two months of my arrival... 9-11 happened, and I found myself at the uncomfortably close to the Twin Towers and had to run for my life when they fell. And I found it such a deeply bonding experience with America that I felt much, much more engaged with the land of my mother's birth. Since that pivotal moment, Sarah has been voting in every US election. But this year, she says, is special. Sarah was determined not to miss her chance to vote. I'm standing in line at my county elections office in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. It's actually the first time in my life, both in Britain or America, that I've voted in an election where my vote really counts because I'm in the battleground state of Pennsylvania where Joe Biden and Donald Trump are going after every single vote. In 2008 and 2012, Luzerne County voted for Barack Obama. But in 2016, it flipped to Donald Trump by 20 points. So mine could make a difference. I had been waiting for my registration card to arrive by mail, and it just hadn't arrived. So I went to the local voting office, and to my surprise, I found that voting had started that day. And it's called in-person 
mail-in voting. And I thought, well, why don't I do that? I've been queuing up for about half an hour. There's probably another hour and a half to go. Stood in line for just over an hour and a half and delivered my in-person mail-in ballot, which sounds oh, a little wow. complicated, but is an excellent way of making sure that your vote is counted. I think I'm going to be invited in any time now. There's quite heavy security. No guns are actually allowed, of course, in the polling station. But there are all sorts of rules that vary wildly all over America as to whether or not you can carry a concealed weapon right up to the polling place. Come this way, I have to have security checks. I'm going to... Yeah, you're here to vote. I'm here to vote. Just a couple quick questions I have to ask you. Were you out of the state in the last 14 days? No. Okay, you under... Any symptoms of COVID or sick or anything like that? Have you been around anybody that was sick? No. Okay. Sign and date it. Then you'll take this form upstairs, go into the voters, you'll hand this form to them, and then they will give you your ballot and you'll be able to place your vote today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm just about to go in and vote. And they're only allowing three people into the actual voting office at the same time because of coronavirus restrictions. Anyway, here we go. I'm going in. So I'm looking at how to return your mail-in ballot. You complete it, you put it in a secrecy envelope. Number three, the outer return envelope. You sign and date that envelope. I'm just waiting to be handed my ballot. And then I think I'm gonna pop it in a locked red mailbox. And I'm gonna get a sticker with the American flag saying, I voted, hooray. Yay, I've done it. I voted. I, and I'm done. And I've got my I voted sticker. So I'm feeling rather proud. As of today, more than 58 million Americans have already voted. In a popular election year, around 160 million Americans will vote in total. So that's already more than a third of voters. There was not a festival atmosphere, I wouldn't say, as you sometimes get. There was more a sort of grim determination to get in line, do the deed, be done with it. The town Sarah lives in voted Democrat in 2008 and 2012. But in 2016, in one of the biggest shocks of election night, it flipped to Donald Trump by 20 points. And what that was composed of were white, working-class, non college-educated, registered Democrats who were voting Trump. Now, some of them have since changed their affiliation to registered Republican, but a lot of them still think of themselves as working people who are Democrats. They just don't like the Democrat Party. And to be fair to Donald Trump, Pennsylvania has done quite well under his presidency. It's full of Trump pen signs, and they're sticking by him. And is there a realisation of that sort of on the ground? Do the people you're talking to, are they aware of just how important their vote is this time? They are. I don't think they were in any way aware how important it was in 2016. Hmm. The Pennsylvanians went and did what they always did. They trotted along to the polls. And then on election night, they were astounded to find that Trump had won the state and had swung counties like my own, Lucerne County, by 20 points after it had voted for Barack Obama twice in 2008 and 2012. 
we're on the banks of a beautiful river, the Susquehanna, and dotted all along its banks were the coal towns of Pennsylvania. Not very far from here is Scranton. Joe Biden likes to talk about his hard Scranton childhood. He's presenting himself as the candidate of Scranton versus Park Avenue, which he claims Donald Trump represents. But a lot of the non-college educated white working class voters that are now living in these towns, they saw the jobs go. They saw people move out, their kids move out. They saw welfare recipients move in. You know, mm. people it were put up in halfway houses in towns like this, which, you know, brought money to the community, but also problems of substance abuse, meth addiction, you know, the, you name it. This town's seen it. And it's been recovering from that. It's feeling slightly more prosperous than it was, but really still is very much on the breadline. Its wages are half the national average of American wages. I mean, you know, quite serious deprivation. And the people here feel like Donald Trump is looking out for them. They felt like they belonged to the Democrat Party, but they became sort of increasingly homeless. And when Donald Trump came along and said, what did the Democrats ever do for you? They thought, that's right. They want the right to bear arms. They do want to control immigration. You know, they're very much on Trump's page on social issues as well. And of course, they got very offended when Hillary Clinton referred to them as the deplorables. And yeah. they haven't forgiven the Democrats for that either. And so when you're talking to people there now, what are the issues that are really defining whether people are voting Republican or Democrat? The economy. Uh, we're mm. seeing some very, very close polls in Pennsylvania. It really is anyone's guess which way this state will go. But one thing is very obvious from the local polling, and that is that Donald Trump enjoys quite a strong advantage on the economy. It's been eroded to some extent in that some people think that until he deals with the coronavirus properly, the economy will never be sorted. So Joe Biden has been making tracks, putting, you know, COVID-19 front and center of his campaign, saying that Donald Trump's wildly irresponsible. But people here do think that Donald Trump is better on the economy. And that comes back to things like the industries that have taken off in Pennsylvania in recent years. There's a big shale gas line running right through the state, and that is the center of the fracking industry. And it's brought thousands of jobs to the state. They think that Joe Biden has flip-flopped on the issue. He's now saying he'll definitely carry on fracking. But Kamala Harris has said she is opposed to fracking in the past. She's now had to backtrack because they know that these Midwest Rust Belt states will not vote for a candidate that doesn't support fracking because it's like saying, go back to your desperate past. On the other hand, I have heard Biden supporters talking about COVID-19 and they talk about it as well in moral terms. You know, Donald Trump doesn't care if people live or die. He's just not a decent person. They do see Joe Biden as representing a more decent America, America that's sort of vanished under the polarization of the re recent years. So Democrat supporters are telling me they really feel like Trump doesn't care about them. He only cares about himself. I had somebody tell me, look, Donald Trump doesn't even care about his wife and kids. He's really just for Donald J. Trump. And they don't like the idea that a man like that represents America. They see him as stoking division, fueling racism, fueling polarization. And they feel like Joe Biden harks back to another era when America was united. I mean, 
Are there a lot of people who were swing voters, who voted Republican for the first time last time, who might now, I don't know, are they having buyer's remorse? Is there is there a sense of them reconsidering now? I don't think there's an awful lot of buyer's remorse at all. If Biden wins, it's going to be because more seniors are voting for him than voted for Hillary and because more suburban women are voting for him than voted for Hillary. But Apart from those groups, there's very little buyer's remorse. One thing Joe Biden is very keen to remind voters of are his roots in the town of Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's good to be almost home. Jill's a Philly girl, but I'm a Scranton guy. But is it making an impact locally? Yeah, not really, no. (laughs) Up up to a point, Lord Copper. He was um, born in Scranton. He spent the early years of his life in Scranton. It wasn't that hard a life. And some of the Trumpians around here say, yeah, but his family left Scranton as soon as they could. But there are aspects to Joe Biden that make people think he's a regular guy. Sure, he's been in Congress for four decades, but he's always had a good rapport with ordinary working people. The state where he lives in, Delaware, is not that far. It's like a 90-minute train ride from Washington. And every night he would go home to Delaware and he'd be that family person, that regular person. He was known to all the people on the railroad. He would be, you know, just ordinary Joe. He argues that that meant he was never captured by the Washington swamp. And, you know, is impressive in its own way. He had his tragic backstory where his first wife and daughter were killed in a terrible um, crash. And as a result of that, he became a very dedicated family man and was determined to go home every night as well. Because some senators in Washington, believe me, they've lost their roots long ago. I can imagine. And how much time have the candidates and the vice presidential candidates spent in Pennsylvania campaigning? And what are they saying when they get there? Oh, people are coming to Pennsylvania almost every other day. <laughs> Joe Biden has been to Scranton several times. So has Donald Trump. They're crisscrossing the state right now. And I can tell you, we've only got um, a short while to go and they'll be back as well. In fact, people say Pennsylvania is going to be the critical state. If Joe Biden can claw back Pennsylvania for the Democrats, he's probably in the White House. If Donald Trump can win Pennsylvania, that means that his white working class, non-college educated base has stayed extremely loyal with their wallets. They think that Trump will have lower taxes than the Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. If he can get enough of those in Pennsylvania to get him over the line again, along with his white working class, non-college educated base, then Trump will be back in the White House. So that's why Pennsylvania is so pivotal. It's always been an important state, but now it's absolutely crucial. Ohio used to play that role, but then Ohio went very decisively Republican for Trump in 2016. If it goes Democrat, we're into Biden landslide territory. So Pennsylvania is the bellwether state. In this election, the Democrats know just how crucial Pennsylvania could prove to be they won't be caught off guard again, as they were in 2016. But there's the added complication this year of a global pandemic. So they suspended door knocking. They suspended rallies. They uh, started to campaign only remotely. So everything is sort of by Zoom, by email. You know, a lot of Democrat voters, they don't have fancy laptops or they're elderly and don't access these things or they're minority and their English isn't that great. 
there's all sorts of reasons why this has not been a very good idea for the Democrats. And the Republicans haven't let COVID-19 hold them back at all. As you can see, Donald Trump's been having huge rallies in the state. They've been going out door to door knocking, wearing masks, keeping respectful distance when people open the door. But they have been doing that door knocking, get out the vote, traditional operation. I spoke to a real expert on Midwestern elections and she said to me, it's practically electoral malpractice what the Democrats have done by going really? and campaigning so remotely because they've ceded the ground game to the Republicans. And we've seen in this reflected in actual registration figures where the Democrats used to have far more registered voters in states like Pennsylvania. And now the Republicans have switched a lot of voter registrations and recruited more. If the Democrats lose, you'll hear a lot more about did they throw it away by suspending their ground game. Because in the end, in these battleground states, every vote matters. I mean, in yeah. a state like Michigan, only 10,000 votes separated Hillary Clinton from Donald Trump's final tally. We'll be hearing from another of the key swing states that could decide the American election in just a moment. But if you want more coverage and analysis from America, don't miss out on our flash sale. If you subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times now, you can get 50% off for the first six months. Sale ends Friday the 30th of October at 5pm. Search for thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times online to find out more. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At the moment, I am entirely focused and utterly immersed in the oncoming U.S. presidential election. Welcome to Josh Glancy's life. He's the Washington bureau chief for the Sunday Times. I went to consecutive rallies on a Saturday and a Sunday. This is how I spend my weekends now. Drive about 16 hours southward, without breaks, down the Interstate 95, through state parks and scenic highways, and you'll eventually reach Miami, Florida. There, Josh has been attending a Cuban-Americans for Trump rally. 
On the Sunday, I went to Doral Central Park, about a stone's throw from Trump's golf course. And it was unlike anything I've ever seen before. There must have been two, 3,000 trucks piling into this park in central Miami and having an absolute banging party. I mean, it was extraordinary. There were Colombians, Venezuelans, lots and lots of Cubans, also just random white Trump supporters, flags, megaphones, and they were just going bananas listening to all sorts of music and there was there were no speeches, there was no organization or format. There were just 5,000 or so Trump supporters in a field going wild on a Saturday afternoon and it was a sight to behold. Enthusiastically non-compliant with any COVID-related precautions. It's a big field in the middle of Miami with tons of trucks and cars and flags and guys standing on the back of the truck with a megaphone sort of berating the Castro family. And, but I met some really interesting characters there. I met, you know, there was a guy called Roger Silverio who was about 75 and, you know, he had a sort of Cuban flag in one hand and a Trump flag in the other and a red cap on. What's your name, sir? My name is Roger Silverio. Roger Silverio. Yes, sir. He, uh, you live in Miami? Yes, sir, for the last uh, 41 years. And you came from Cuba before that? Yes, I was a political prisoner in Cuba. You were? Yes. Wow. You can see why people like that value America. And, and there's this distinction they make between Democrats and Republicans, particularly between Biden and Trump. Yes. And what do you like about Trump? And the, do you think he's a good president? I think he's a perfect president. The good thing about Trump is uh, he's not politically correctly. Yeah. You know, he, he loves America, everything that he promised. During the election 2016, yeah. he accomplished. He is a very smart guy, and he is a patriot. He loved this country, yeah. and I love the way he treats, you know, our country. Trump rallies are the most fun I've seen anyone have since March, because really? they're, the, they're the only people totally ignoring pandemic protocol. Trump <laughs> is the sledgehammer. Yeah. So, so you, do you think he's going to win? Who, Trump? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I have no doubt he's going to win. And if yeah. he doesn't win, then it's obviously somebody cheated. Right. And then we have to get to the bottom of it party like it's pre-COVID. Yeah, they really revel in each other's company. It's sort of quasi-religious almost. It's a sense of being part of a movement, part of a tribe. And there's a real sense of defiance as well. They know how liberal America views them as deplorable, as disgusting, as racist. And Trump sort of gives them a permission structure to really go wild about all this stuff. It is a very anarchic, passionate movement. A lot of Biden supporters aren't passionate about Joe Biden. They just really, really want to beat Trump. So it's, they're voting almost out of anger and disgust a lot of the time. Whereas the Trump supporters and the people at this rally in, in Miami, they're very, almost quite jubilant about the whole thing. The Trump rallies are really passionate and jubilant. And people really, really like Trump. I mean, they will wear his picture on a T-shirt. They will wear, you will see Trump tattoos. You will see Trump on flags and cars and stickers. Florida is the democratic heartbreaker. They say the presidential election will be won and lost in Florida. You turn on TV in Florida now and it's advert after advert, Trump, Biden, Trump, Biden. So really? they're very, very conscious that they're among the demographics who will decide the whole thing. It's a quirk and probably a, not a good quirk of the, of the electoral college system that some people's votes matter enormously and other people's 
votes matter not at all. I mean, my girlfriend is, is Floridian and so her, she's been sort of quarrelling her whole family to try and get them to vote and making sure everyone's got their <laughs> registrations. You know, it really, and it, you know, it went down to 530 votes in 2000. So it, it, it actually, you know, your individual vote really feels like it, it's worth something uh, in a way that's pretty rare. If you're Donald Trump, he has to win Florida. There's, there's basically no path to the presidency for him without it. If really, that's Bar- how important it is. He couldn't win if he didn't win Florida. No, it's, it's basically the, the sort of sine qua non. He, he has to win Florida. If you're Joe Biden, you would very much like to win Florida because, well, it would be over if you did. But you have a pretty reasonable path to the presidency without it. So it's more of a kind of big bonus state rather than an essential. At the last election, Florida played a crucial role in the outcome. I I remember this very, very vividly. I was on 6th Avenue in New York outside the Fox News building, actually. They had the coverage up on a big screen and I can't remember exactly what time it was. It was about 10.45pm, I think. And things have been trending Trumpwards uh, for a while, for an hour or two, but it wasn't quite clear where things were headed until Florida went. Florida was called for Trump. Donald Trump will win the state of Florida, according to And the you Fox just thought, News wow, because that wasn't expected. And it's a huge state. And suddenly it was a bit like, if you remember the Brexit referendum night, it was the Sunderland moment when you just thought, huh, electoral college vote in red caps, like standing outside the building chanting USA. Florida's a big, old, diverse place. It's large. There are 15 million people living there. But roughly speaking, the southeast corner of it, so Miami, Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, is pretty liberal. And there are other liberal pockets, say around parts of Jacksonville or Orlando. But most of the rest of the state is red, is is quite conservative, particularly up to the panhandle, which is much more like sort of Alabama in its culture. Joe Biden's plan is to rally voters in the south of Florida, whilst Donald Trump is focusing on the north. The the key demographics everyone's looking at this time around are Latinos and senior voters, both of whom are pretty prevalent in Florida. The Latinos mostly go for Biden, as they do nationally, but not the Cuban-Americans in Miami who are a big constituency. And not some of the other Colombians and Venezuelans either. There's there's just very strong anti-socialism sentiment among them. So at the moment, Trump is slightly outperforming 2016 among Latinos. And Biden is outperforming Clinton among seniors. And that puts them about even. I mean, Biden's been ahead, but the polls have just started to tighten this week. And they're basically functionally tied, I would say, in Florida. So it's neck and neck. It really is. What are the issues that are really driving Floridians to to the ballot box? It depends which demographic. If you're you're looking at the seniors, generally they tend to vote Trump. They'll be quite fiscally conservative and they want low taxes and whatever. And they want to see the stock market rise because it's got all their pension funds invested in it. But a lot of them are also very troubled by the pandemic. Florida's had a pretty rough time of COVID, 16,000 deaths or so. And obviously seniors are, are quite affected by the restrictions and by the lockdown. And so I think generally among seniors, there's a sense that uh, Trump hasn't handled that well, which probably accounts for his relatively poor performances. Uh, Among the Latinos too, they've also been disproportionately hit by COVID and the handling of it. 
there is some dissatisfaction there with the president too. But as I said, it's rather counterbalanced by this socialism argument that really does carry a lot of weight among some Latino communities. Given how important this state is, how much time are each of the candidates spending there? Well, as you may have noticed, Joe Biden doesn't seem to do a lot of campaigning. No. He has, he has visited Florida several times, and as has Kamala Harris. I had to come here on the kickoff of early voting in Florida, because y'all are going to Trump is there a lot. It's Trump's home. He, he moved his you residency there recently, and his Southern White House, as he calls it. A rare look inside the Winter White House. NBC News was given exclusive access to the president's Mar-a-Lago private club. At Mar-a-Lago is, is on Palm Beach. President Trump travels to his Mar-a-Lago club in Florida today for the first time since his inauguration. So he's down there a lot. He goes down there to play golf as well. Now back for a couple of meetings tonight mm-hmm. taking place at Mar-a-Lago. And his sons go down there a lot as well. President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach is undergoing a deep cleaning after multiple cases of coronavirus were confirmed. It's a very expensive state to campaign in, expensive media markets. So the Trump campaign has less money on hand, so it's important to visit because you, you generate free media. The Biden campaign is mostly relying on television advertising paid for by Mike Bloomberg, who has chucked $100 million wow. specifically at Florida um, to try and push it their way. So... Yes, people are showing up in pretty big numbers, particularly given there's a pandemic on, to support the president. There's no question Trump has more passionate supporters, more engaged, but are there enough of them to actually propel him to victory? That's really the question of the whole election. On election night, Josh will be watching from home in Washington, D.C. Because Washington, D.C. is where the president will likely be. And it's also where, if there is unrest or protest, uh, that will happen. So I'll probably watch it on the TV at home and then go down to the White House and see what's going on there. Because, I mean, last time, as I said, I was in New York because that's where both the Clinton and Trump victory and defeat parties were. Um, But this time around, uh, I think it'll make sense to be near the White House, to be honest. And how closely will you be watching Florida? Yeah, the thing to really watch for is... Sumter County in particular, uh, which ah. is where a lot of the older voters are, are concentrated in a place called The Villages, which is where most uh, correspondents end up going to write a piece about old voters in the villages and their golf carts and their sort of kooky behaviour. And that will tell us a lot about how the senior vote has split. And if Biden does well there, he probably will edge the state and therefore win the election. So that's one thing to look out for. A lot of the big Midwestern states are likely to be called after election night. They have a lot of mail-in voting that they don't start counting until election day itself. Florida, they count the mail-in votes in advance. And so it could well be decisive on the night. If Florida goes for Biden, it's game over, for sure. Really? Um, if it goes for Trump, it's very much game on. If Trump wins pretty comfortably, then it suggests that um, the Trump vote might have been slightly undercounted, as it was last time. And then that dynamic could easily play out in other places, similar states with, like Arizona, like North Carolina, but it could play out across the country. And if they've undercounted the, the Trump vote again then, and he wins Florida, then he may well edge another, another narrow victory. All to play for. What, what has it been like for you, Josh, just covering this election? Is it what you expected? It's not what I expected. I've ended up probably covering the Trump campaign a lot more because it's been physically happening. 
and the Biden campaign is sort of almost conceptual. But it is, it's ended up being as immersive and as, uh, as sort of thrilling as I thought it would be, but, but, but dark and, and existential in many ways. That's how people seem to feel about it. So I'm, I'm actually just really looking forward to it um, being over and just see how, see how it turns out. I just sort of, I've never waited this long for, for anything, really. For Sarah, watching further north in Pennsylvania, the guessing game is just as complicated. If I'm honest with you, I think Trump can still win this thing. I am sitting in a very Trumpy county, and that might be influencing my judgment because I'm not seeing this enormous swell of support for Joe Biden that I'm told is happening elsewhere. Mm. But I, I do think that the polls are probably more accurate than last time. I think the pollsters, I, I hope they learned some lessons. <laughs> I do think there are things that are in Biden's favor but it's not in the bag by any means. Bill Clinton used to say, politics is all about addition, not subtraction. And I, what I think the Republicans and Donald Trump are having trouble doing is adding to the votes that he got last time. So yeah. although he's not losing them, he's not adding to them. Joe Biden is adding to them a bit. Third party voters, a few select swing groups. It's far too dicey to predict at the moment. Unlike Florida, Pennsylvania is one of the states that could have a delayed result. It may be longer. It depends how tight it is. I mean, if Pennsylvania goes big for Biden or for Trump, you'll know on the night. But if it goes down to every last vote, those last votes are going to be counted in the final three days after the election, and we won't know for some time. That's how tight it's going to be. Maybe it's my background in Britain. I can't help thinking the election will be more decisive one way or the other on the day than people say. But maybe it won't, because seriously, I've had an election judge tell me it could be weeks before the result is known. And both sides are lawyered up to the gills and ready to contest all the way up to the Supreme Court any smidgen of doubt over votes cast. Some people say you won't even know till the inauguration. I think that's fanciful. But (laughs) honestly... Anything is possible. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the Washington Bureau Chief for the Sunday Times, Josh Glancy, and the author of the Sunday Times American Diaries, Sarah Baxter. You can read more of Josh and Sarah's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you can, please do leave us a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or on the Times Radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. We'll be back with more on the American election tomorrow. See you then. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.